Hello listener, Matt here. Support Ben, read his ramblings, or find further notes on this show at securitized.com, spelled S-E-C-U-R-I-T-Y-Z-E-D.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. Rafael Fiedler. I'm Joey Police. And before we get into this week's episode, I want to do a couple of quick admin things. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had what I consider our best episode to date, where we talked uh, to folks from Perscolis, um, and we got a lot of good feedback about that episode. I, I hope you all had a chance to re-listen to it again and acknowledge its greatness. Um, <laughs> uh, but I wanted to share with you and with the audience that uh, during that episode, we talked about how Eternity, one of our guests, and a learner at Perscolis was going to take the uh, CYSA plus CompTIA exam. Well, she did, and she passed. Awesome. And uh, I think right. that's worth celebrating, right? Yes, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. She she uh, made that so, episode, so I'm glad that she she saw some uh, some results out of uh, all of her efforts. She's made this show. I mean, that episode <laughs> made the show, and she made that episode. It was that was amazing. <laughs> yep. Um, so much congratulations to her. Uh, and on the heels of that, I want to say, and this is really important, that um, prior to when we'd even scheduled the Perscolis episode and um, before we, we'd ever lined that up and had the guests all ready to go, we had planned doing this topic. So <laughs> this topic is in no way a commentary at all on Perscolis <laughs> or the content that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. There's there's a big uh, disclaimer at the end of, of all of our episodes, and, and th that disclaimer definitely applies to this episode. Very much so. <laughs> Very, this is a giant caveat right off the bat. Um, the, uh, does someone besides me want to uh, unfold the topic that we had lined up for today? I think Joey. Oh, no, you're going to stick. Jo Joey, you want to do it to it? I forget the title of it. I I, I mean, horrible teachings? I, I, I think it I think it was terrible tales of teaching. There it is, terrible <laughs> tales of teaching. Yeah, because then we get the alliteration, and um, I, I think we were like going to child's book, a children's book. <laughs> I, I think Matt took it a step further and said, uh, uh, "Stupid student tricks" or something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did I say that? No, I would never say that. <laughs> I... <laughs> Um, so now it, uh, all of us, because of uh, our industry, because of the things we do, because of who we are, um, we've either taught classes or mentored or coached people, or we've been students or both many times. Um, so I think we all have something to share in terms of what we've liked, what we haven't liked, of things that have occurred in classrooms. And some of those things are archetypical where they transcend just one single event and they're the kind of the norm that you see over and over again. And some things are just so damn funny and happened one time that they're worth sharing anyway. 
Um, but uh, I want to go ahead. I want to start with Joey because Joey, um, why don't you give ahead uh, give give the audience a little bit of background on your familiarity with education and training? Yeah, so I was a MCT, which is a Microsoft certified trainer for about nine years, and my role primarily was to locally and then. Um, uh, actually, I did one international class, so I can say that I, I traveled internationally to teach. I went into Canada to teach one class. Canada doesn't care. Canada <laughs> okay, doesn't care. then no. <laughs> they're, they're, just, they're just a province of the uh, Amer of United States, which we have not yet colonized. And, and... <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, so I was an MCT, and I taught uh, a lot of Microsoft technology. So uh, hundreds and hundreds of classes and thousands of students, and it was a wonderful uh, experience and part of my career and my life, and I learned a ton of it, and I've got a lot of great stories. So why don't you share one that's not so great? Because I think that was kind of the, the way we were leading. <laughs> the, one, the one that I, the one that um, sticks out the most when you said that the, the terrible, uh, you know, stories, and and it was early on, early on, and I remember this was a Windows 2000 class. So this this is setting a, the date of of when Windows 2000 had rolled out in the in the corporate environment. And 2000 server or 2000 for desktop. 2000 professional. So it was the it was the okay. desktop gotcha. for the for the users. Okay. Yeah, and uh, we had a there was probably 12 to 15 people in this class, and and this is back when we had the big CRT monitors on top of desktop PCs with the PS2 keyboards and there was no wireless anything. It was, it was a big class and it was, it was awesome. Anyway, I remember giving just basic fundamentals within the first 30 minutes. Uh, when I say basic, I mean like right click guys, these are going to present options. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Rafty, Rafty with the big eyes. Like, yes, we were, we're, we're getting into some fundamentals here. And I had one student, he raised his hand and he said, uh, class, you can also uh, do this and this in order to get the same feature. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, this, let's just call him Greg, okay? Greg is right. It's always Greg. Greg it's that. always Greg or Doug. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say go. Chad. <laughs> <laughs> and and we, as we moved on, I said, okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to uh, look at permissions for a folder. Go ahead and right click. He said, uh, remember class, you can also do this if you want to look at different permissions as well. He kept trying to assert himself into the class that we know you know what you're doing. We know you're a very savvy person, but uh, at the first break, I had to pull him aside. Like as everyone exited the class, I said, hey, you know, you know, just one second if you have a minute. And I had to tell him, you're being very distracting and I need you to let me teach the class and I appreciate your input and I appreciate what you're trying to do, but you know, it's it's kind of, you know, it's, it's very distracting. Um, he was very, you know, like, oh, no problem, no problem. He did it two more times after that, that afternoon. And it was, you know, <laughs> you're gonna get that person that wants to let the instructor know, I know as much as you. Okay, so now now I got to say, you've already jumped into something I found, I find archetypical. That to me happens almost every class. There's almost always a Greg or a Doug in a class who wants to demonstrate how much they know. They can't wait to share with everybody. Right. And some sometimes, not all the time, 
uh, probably about 50% of the time. Gregor Doug seems to have an aggressively pedantic turn to their approach where not only do they want to demonstrate how much they know, how little you know as the instructor, <laughs> how much more they know than you. And, and he, for some he, reason, that's a point of pride. Yeah, it's like they're trying to stump you. It's like they're trying to say you're not qualified to teach the class um, or to be up there, and, but but I am. And this happens to me all the time. And I and, and I got, Joey, if I can tell you, I, and I don't mean to say that the way you approached it was wrong. I used to do that when I was a young instructor. Now, now I <laughs> totally flip it around. I co-opt Greg is what I end up doing is. So give me an example. Give me an example of how that so, works. Okay. So as soon so as soon as Greg says, you know, in addition to right clicking, you can also do uh, the alt key or whatever, the F key, you know, the function key. I always go, oh man, you know, I never knew that. I've been using this thing for 20 years. Uh, Greg, tell you what, please chime in whenever you got something like that to offer, please let us know. Cause I, I like a really interactive class. And, and not only does Greg get quieter, but Greg smiles and Greg stops being uh, aggressive. Now he's cooperative. Now Greg is Mr. Helpful. And, um, and, and I'll be talking about some arcane element of a thing that I happen to know because I've been teaching the class for a while that nobody else could possibly know. And I'll turn to Greg and I go, right, Greg, you know, is there anything you want to add to that? <laughs> And he's like, no, that's cool. And, you know, and that, and it works. And by the end of the week, me and Greg are best friends, and he's contributed, and he's added value. And so, it also encourages more other students to take part in the class and offer up their insight that they might not have done if it was just me and Greg clashing all week long. Um, and, 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 you know, Matt, you both have sat in, in my class and, and mm -hmm. you've seen how, like, you know, we can get 75% of the participants to add anecdotal evidence and add to the overall learning experience. Right. Yeah. I yeah. was just yeah. going to, yeah, Matt, I was going to ask, was Matt co cooperative with me in the CISSP class? Cause if he was now, I know why. <laughs> 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 not to talk out of school as they say but no me and matt coordinated ahead of time to pick on you thoroughly for that entire course yeah that, that was my <laughs> oh that was a fun class got uh, you to pass the exam now didn't it absolutely and if you uh, are interested in getting your cissp i highly recommend wannabeacissp.com <laughs> i just posted on linkedin um, we've gone over a million minutes of engagement as of this month, and I, I'm actually really proud of that between all the classes collectively. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And you're yeah. also running an ad campaign now too, aren't you? You're, yeah, yeah. Or, or rather oh, a uh, contest. Correct. Yeah. Let me go ahead and pitch that. Now. Thank you, Matt. I'm so sorry. I'm terrible at this marketing garbage. Um, I'm doing a, a, a contest where if you make a meme or a video or a graphic, and you post it somewhere on the web that ha that tracks views uh, uh, publicly and visible. Um, the person who posts the thing that gets the most views by the end of this year, that is midnight, December 31st, my time, uh, I give you $500, the person who's got the most most views. So that's 500 US dollars, Rocky. It's not 500 <laughs> euros. 
So maybe you can get like a couple quarts of milk and a a, a small can of petrol. Um, but other than that, yeah. uh, no, no, five, yeah, but I understand. I understand. No, and I read this on Twitter as well. So um, I saw that you retweeted for me. I think you're my first ever retweet. I really appreciate that. <laughs> See? And, and, and by the way, I've also Matt did a wonderful uh, segment in my podcast where we're shouting out to. Uh, um the uh, sensuous sounds podcast as well so trying to get more more push to uh to the show and there's a tag on the end of this one for topic of choice so rock and roll <laughs> I love <bro>. it. <laughs> we're all hey, patting each other in the back this is I've so incestuous i've got a i've got a question for matt with regards to classes mm -hmm. so matt have you with the last class and let's before the cissp whether yeah. it was online or whether it was in person, mm -hmm. do, you, do you offer a lot of questions? Do you offer a lot of feedback or are you kind of more reserved? Because I, I don't have a, I don't have a, a good uh, uh, barometer for that other than uh, Ben's class. And I wonder because you're, you're very well-rounded in all of the, uh, of the technology. Oh, stop. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. But no, I'm, a, I'm, I'm terrible to have as a student because I am either one of two ways. I'm either the way, the way you described where I'm the jerk in the back who's just lobbing questions at the instructor and, and showing off and because I have an ego. Yeah, I've been I've been that that Brad or Greg or whatever. Before. Greg, yeah. <laughs> um, as, as I've grown older and matured, though, I'm, I'm much more quiet and reserved and I, and I leave that alone. I think that tends to be someone who's either new to the field or, or uh, younger. Um, as I've gotten older and, and, and mellowed, uh, much like the bourbon that's sitting on my shelf, I, 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 don't, I don't require, you know, that kind of attention from the instructor or anything. But yeah, I've, I've been that way. And, uh, but the last in-person class I had, gosh, it's, it's been a long time. I couldn't even tell you. So do you, Ben, here's a question. Do you think, and Rafti as well, I don't, I don't mean to hijack all the questions here, but this just popped up. No, no, take, you, feel, you can take the lead on this one as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> one of the problems I had early in my IT career, especially as an instructor, because as an instructor, I always felt like I was trying to validate my space in that area because there were some topics when, when I had to either train on it or I had to be the expert on it. You know, there's you can never assume, you know, there's always somebody that knows more than you. Right. And so I think in IT, do you find that IT professionals in not in, not in general, but a great majority of them try to be the the person that is the peacock in the room? I have Absolutely. found that is more with IT than in other professions. But now, like Matt said, you know, at 47 years old. I want to be quiet and I want to listen to everything that everybody has to say because I don't know nearly as much as I know that they do. And I, and I want to absorb that. It wasn't as such. And it wasn't as so when I was younger. I'll tell I'll tell you when I was younger, I was a lot more headstrong and I was uh, aggressive. I think more out of um, imposter syndrome than anything else, because especially with something that I learned recently and I was not completely secure in my knowledge then I had to be confrontational and brusque about it. Uh, at the point today, I walk into the class and one of the first things I tell you, you've been in my class, one of the first things that comes out of my mouth in the first five minutes is, I don't know everything. I know how little I actually know. 
all of you are all going to know more than me about something uh, uh, attendant this topic. So please feel free to offer to augment the learning because there's no way I can possibly know everything. And, and giving up that ego, giving up that that necessity to be the peacock, and I like that term, um, that it's helped freeing. a lot. It yeah, really it's is. Freeing. Yeah, it is. And I think it's made me a better instructor, to be honest. Yeah, well, I think it I, makes I, you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, for me, like I of course have to do with a lot of programmers in the in the infosec space as well. Like in the what our product is a security product, uh, and what I like in a person is that quality when they when they know that they don't know everything, and when they don't um, are too proudful to to admit and think that what that their code has no issues and that, and and we like this meme where it's just like um the the developer being like no but it runs on my machine and i'm like yeah but if it doesn't run on the customer's machine then there is an issue with your code there's there I swear is. i saw a ghost okay but <laughs> no one else can see the ghost it's not a real supernatural occurrence it's just you seeing shit yes yeah exactly yeah and this uh, does not I, mean and, and i think this of course entails like that they as you're saying like this imposter syndrome that they think they need to validate themselves and what i try to then do is reassert them and tell them well you're doing a great job and this of course you need to admit that this is an issue and that this needs to be tackled but this doesn't take away anything from the great great stuff that you already did and all and that the that it works on your machine that's great but still we need to figure out what's the issue and we need to get to the bottom of it so did you see similar to that when you were in the lab environment when you did um the biology stuff when you did the pharmaceutical stuff was it the same kind of thing just on a different topic because I'm curious as to whether it's a nerd phenomenon as opposed to just an IT phenomenon. Um, I would I would not call chemists nerds. Um, they're they're in their own different thing. Um, but you know that uh, pharmacists or chemists, there are three professions which wear white lab coats. It's it's chemists, of course. It's pharmace pharmaceutical people like. Um, uh, and it's um, doctors, and I think the three of them have a different kind of issue associated with that that they a god complex yes, i was exactly. just gonna the say gods and white complex. yeah and so i think it's it's different i think they have their own different like and this is the reason why i'm saying chemists aren't nerds necessarily um but yeah <laughs> but but you saw the same kind of thing where i know everything i am the smartest and you must accede to me even in other domains that i'm not even familiar oh, with so true Oh yeah, yeah, so true. Yeah. Especially, yeah. I think, especially for chemists and for doc and for doctors, for doctors, I think people who are like in the pharmaceutical space, they tend to see the others because they're sort of like. But maybe that's just me as a chemist being like, oh, those people who are like just like subscribing, uh, um, uh, writing um, like prescriptions for for different me uh, medicines. But yeah, you know, it's yeah. I want to I want to flip it around now because there were many times. In the companies that I would train for, the, all the employee had to do was sign up because they just offered like, here's here's 20 classes that, that are being offered, sign up for what you want as, as they fill up. There were many times where you get the exact opposite student that has no business being in that class. Mm. <laughs> so let, let's... And I, I, feel, I feel bad for the student in those situations. I do, yeah. They've been put, they've been, they've been set up to fail. And they're out of their depth 
and there's really you're in a bad position of the trainer and it's especially true if you're a contract trainer from outside the organization and you've been brought in to teach this thing because you're getting paid for the number of bodies that are in the room and you can't really tell this person's supervisor or the point of contact for the training this person doesn't deserve or, or this person shouldn't be here because you're punishing them with something they can't really get benefit from get them out of the room you can't you're not in a position to do that nope. um nope. And, and it's bad for you don't want to go and tell that student either because now it seems like you're piling on even more humiliation to them yeah that's a very awkward situation and i know exactly what you're talking about I don't know how quite to address that one uh, from where I sit, because so often I am the external trainer, not the employee of the, if you're an employee of the organization, you just go to HR That's and say, different. sign up. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. As no, far as I understand, you're there. saying. Go ahead, Rafti, go ahead. Okay, my, I just have a question in that regard. You you sound, both sound like this is so immediate to you right from the get-go. How often does this happen? Has it ever happened that it did not that you your assessment, your initial assessment, was proven wrong in the end, or was it always like you saw that person and be like, okay, they sure. got to fail, and you do your best and you try it, and it doesn't work anyway? I, I can't speak. For I don't know about you. Yeah, go ahead, Sorry. Ben. I, I don't know about you, Joey. This does not happen as often as Greg happens. Um, but it does happen often enough that I knew exactly what Joey was talking about when he was saying it. I will say this, and yes, Rafti, to answer your question, I have been proven wrong many, many times. And, and, and this is often, the, the, often, again, this is confirmation bias based on my anecdotal history. Um, the times I've seen it occur the most is language barriers, where it's someone whose language I do not speak and they are a non-native English speaker, and I'm limited to this single language, um, and their difficulty in understanding me the first hour of the first day, I might get as an, I take that as an impression that they're not prepared for the material. By the end of the week, I suddenly realize, yes, they have trouble communicating, but their command and knowledge of the IT aspects far transcend mine. Now that happens, I'd say 25% to 50% of the time when I see somebody out of their depth. There are still people who are out of their depth regardless, and and it happens. And and Joey hit the nail on the head. It's often because my client, the company that hired me, has offered free training to anyone. And some of the people who signed up or were told to sign up by their supervisors did not understand the level or complexity yeah. of the material. A lot of the students that I would have, um, they, I would teach third shift a lot of times. And so, you know, if they didn't have to be out on the floor and they wanted to come up to the training lab and take, you know, the, the, the class for that shift, what are they, I don't care what you're teaching. I, I'm going to come up there and I'm going to get my, you know, my, my, my training and, and Rafti to your question, I was always able to, to. I don't want to, yeah, I put them in boxes because I'm quickly, I'm trying to assert who, who is there because they want to be, who are the Dougs or the, or the Gregs, uh, and then who really doesn't need to be there. And, and when you find the ones that, that don't really need to be there, they either A, are going to slow the other uh, students down in the class, uh, or B, you're going to have to change completely your, your style of training and teaching 
um, into almost two segments to where you're giving you're giving um, um, lectures or or labs, if you will, for one set and then another for another set of students. At least that's how I did it in order to accommodate the balance of those students, because like Ben said, they're embarrassed when they finally get in there and they're like, whoa, this is way out of my league. Then sometimes they would just open up uh, Minesweeper and be like, just teach. I'm, I'm on Minesweeper for the rest of the night. It's like, okay, I don't care. You know, that's up to you. Um, and I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll share the opposite side of this too. There was at least one training that sticks in my head where I was out of my depth with the level of students that were in the room. Um, I had been called in to take over a class on a Tuesday. It was a Monday through Friday class. The original instructor got sick Monday night and they called me short notice. I got on a plane that night, flew out to California, Silicon Valley class. And I took over Tuesday morning. Terrible idea, just for so many reasons. That instructor had already built a rapport with the students. They'd already come to like that instructor. And I love this instructor. This instructor was a friend of mine, is a friend of mine to this day. And um, she has a very different approach than I do. So on Tuesday, when I came in with my approach, they really didn't like me. And I had to fight uphill to try to get there again. Now, this was also a Silicon Valley class composed of people who are the best in the field. I mean, the reason they're working in Silicon Valley at the places they are working is because they know everything about everything. So when I, I'd get to some material and I'd say, here's what you need to know. All right, we'll move on. They'd say, wait, 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 stop. We don't understand this, 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 and this. Like if I just said, you know, here's what you need to know at layer three of the OSI model, this, this, and this, and that's it. They'd be like, but what other protocols and why do you know? And how do you know it's a difference between three and not four and two? And, and I'd be like, look, you, we could spend 40 hours just on this thing. We're not going to have time to teach you the rest. You know, the, the rest of the material is a mile wide and an inch deep. Don't drill down on this. But they could not get past it because the way they'd attain their position in life is every moment of school, every aspect of knowledge, they had total command of, and they could not just take a facile learning. They had to do a deep dive. And I didn't even have command of the knowledge that they did, so there's no way I could give them a, a, a deep dive. Yeah, that was a bad experience for me, and I, probably not so great for them. <laughs> what, yeah, there's a market difference add? between teaching to, the, to, to pass an exam versus teaching because you need it for your job. And, and I think that uh, uh certifications like cissp are just like that yeah you you can't go and <laughs> too much into depth on it because the, the 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 test doesn't doesn't uh question you on it but also yeah like you said you're going to be in class for for years to get to that level of knowledge so yeah just let it go yeah being a student and having to let something go and just just trust the teacher okay they said it's not going to be on the test i'm not going to worry about it. even though i might be super interested in it and even though it might be exciting to me personally okay i'll let it go for now by Thursday afternoon, they'd be asking those questions. I'd say, look, I don't know the answer. And I passed the exam. <laughs> what does that tell you? I was teaching a, uh, I was teaching a Microsoft front page, not a uh, front page 2000. So if you remember, um, so that's not publishing, right? if, I, don't, Rafi, I don't know if you were born yet. 
Yeah, of course. Oh, no. of course. <laughs> but yeah, what? But I have no clue what this is. Front page two thousand. Yeah, love you, Rob. I'm just having right? some fun. Um, so front page. You, you, you could make a website with front page. That's what it was. It was a, it was a front. It was an HTML GUI editor. So it was so like, like Dreamweaver back in the like day. Dreamweaver. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, Dreamweaver that I know. Yeah, before Dreamweaver got real popular, Microsoft came out with a product called FrontPage. And it was and, not intuitive at all. No, it was not. It was very cumbersome. And then you had what these things, these things called FrontPage comp web components, which jacked up uh, web scripts, and it was a whole thing. But I was an instructor for Front uh, for FrontPage, and uh, I remember, I remember being approached at lunch by a student that pulled me aside and said. They wanted me to build them a website. And I was an employee of this software training company at the time. And I, and I was very naive. And I think at this time I was maybe 24 years old. And I said, well, what kind of website is it? Because I knew who the, this individual worked for from, from the company standpoint. And this individual said, no, it's a, it's a personal website I'd like you to build for me. And after a couple more questions, I realized this was an adult site that this individual wanted me to build for them and i i, I did money and you should have done it you'd be retired by now <laughs> so this is so far back his name jimmy wales <laughs> <laughs> this goes so far back where the internet was i think at its infancy right it was really starting to get traction 19 uh you know 99 2000 and such and um uh, I, I didn't, I had no response for the person. I was just like, you could have owned 8% of Pornhub. Can you imagine? You'd be our wealthy <laughs> friend, Joey. <laughs> oh, hell, we oh, wouldn't even know you because you'd be a billionaire living on some mountaintop somewhere. Oh, uh, I, I just, that was another student story. I remember it was like, whoa, didn't think that was coming. Well, that does bring up a good point, though, Joey, because th th there are ethics in in teaching, and and yes. if you're being approached by a student to basically do what you're teaching them how to do, because ostensibly, if you're teaching them front page, you you should be able to retort back and say, "I've just showed you how to create a web page. I've just showed you how to create Pornhub with front page. Why <laughs> do you need to hire me to do it?" <laughs> but right. but also, then it seems like a big a, a little bit of an ethical dilemma because you're trying to figure out, yeah. okay. Uh, should I do this? Yeah. Well, no, for me, ethically, that's what that's, that was the barrier for me. Ethically. I, I just, and morally that, that was, I, th that's where I, I did not want to do that, but well, I, yeah, just I mean, thought, ethically, you know, aside from the adult, I mean, it could have been, an, you know, of any nature of a website, but, but you're right. You, they were wanting you to build a website when you were there to teach them how to build a website. Yeah. Right. I got, I got to ask when you say ethical question, are you talking about because it, it's too much like self-promotion for you and that would be infringing right. on the relationship? Is that right, what you're right. talking about? Yeah, that, well, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, I'm asking. I'm asking Joey because no, I'm not me, sure. For me, morally, I I I had a conflict with that. I I did not want with the to content or with the with the content. Yes. Okay, so so it wasn't the fact that it was self promotion. If they had no, asked no. you to build a pet centered because, website, because what I would have done, I had built websites for other students, but what they had to do is they had to go through the company. They would hire the company as a consultant. The, then I would be the developer or the designer for the site, and I would do it, right? But So it's what Matt this, said, is that you weren't you weren't end-running around your employer, your ostensible. No, no, okay. right, right, right. I'm sorry, right. Matt. I, yeah, I understand. I understand now. Yeah. Okay. 
So, but anyway, it was a funny story that I'll always remember. So I've, I've often wondered what happened to that individual. I'm so, always going to mock you for not owning a significant part of, <laughs> of the internet. Can you imagine if the original version of Pornhub was built on front page and used front page extensions? And <laughs> Rofty, uh, when you'd Google front page and then just hit images, you know, you're going to see it was, it, but you know what? I have such a love for front page. I used it for years and years and years. It's how I learned HTML. Yep. Yep. That's how a lot of people did because it was, it was, it was a friendly interface, kind of like using word to, to yeah. make a, a, a website, but yep. yeah. I mean, on, on those lines though, Ben, have, have you ever been engaged by a student, you know, because you do a lot of security training? Oh yeah. Can you do a security, you know, uh, audit for us? Can you be our security consultant? Are there any of those types of things? And do you have any ethical problems with that? No, I, as a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons I started doing teaching is to market my own consultant, uh, <laughs> consultancy. Uh, and, and it flipped around to where now I'll do consulting to sell training shit. Um, uh, <laughs> it's quite an Ouroboros. And, and it really does. It really does matter on the contract that I had, because if if some contracts say you are representing us, don't even say you're a subcontractor or an independent. You are our employee for the duration of the five days. That's fine. And I'll and I'll play their game and whatever. I I had one entity get really pissed at me because I handed out my own business cards instead of just say Bears. contact yeah. my employer. And and they were probably right, but honestly, in that particular situation, I only did that if they had follow up questions about the exam. I I was I was not intending to bid on their contract. I was glad to have the work, and um, it was in no way a um, a method to undercut them. Now, in in other situations, now um, if I get hired by an entity to do a training for them, I make it real clear in the contract whether or not I can do something like market wannabea, as opposed to be their flunky. And, and as long as those lines are drawn clearly, I'm game either way. Okay, cool. Yeah, because it 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 can really be used as a lucrative way to get get in front of eyeballs. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, I'm your teacher today, but oh, by the way, you can hire me at at this uh, hourly rate or this contract rate, and I'll do oh, you know all kinds of that other happened all the time when I was training. They would hire, but again, not me. They would hire the company is to say, well, look, you're teaching us this access class, this access database. We don't want to do it. Can we just hire you to do it? And then, you know, of course, at the time I was just an employee and the, and the company reaped the benefit of that. And uh, but, yeah, it happened a lot. I, I've got a question. And, and Ben, I know you're still full time teaching, but uh, Rofty and Matt, you know, Matt, I've always said you would make an excellent uh, technical instructor, uh, just your depth of knowledge within the subject matter. But my question and Rofty as well. Uh, would you teach classes? Uh, could you teach classes now? Like, would you ever want to? And I, I mean, this and before he, before he answers that, I'm going to even, I'm going to say more than his technical knowledge, his aw shucks shit kicker drawl that he tends to put on more. Because <laughs> that's, uh, that gives, I don't know why, but that gives more credibility to his future tech self among my students because he's been a guest speaker to, uh, doing the forensic component in my classes and they they hang on his every word when it should be the opposite 
It should be the total opposite. You know, unless he has the nerd kind of Stephen Hawking voice, it, no one should listen to him at all. Because he sounds like he came right out of Appalachia, not wearing shoes, and couldn't even, <laughs> couldn't even turn on a computer. But for some reason, they loved it. They, and he's so good. Everyone wants to hear you talk now, Matt. Oh, yeah. great. <laughs> Gee, Ben, I don't think I've ever had quite a backhanded compliment <laughs> like that. <laughs> you know it's true, though. You uh, know it's true. Well, well, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, at, but in response, Joey, to your question, would I ever be an instructor? And, and Ben has asked me on multiple occasions. He has, he has begged me to be an instructor, and, and uh, I have refused him every time. Now, granted, mostly that's just because I don't like Ben, and I don't ever want to have him <laughs> be my boss. <laughs> I'm just kidding, obviously. <laughs> ben and I are good friends in real life. Uh, but uh, uh, no, I've, the, the few instances I've had teaching, I've, I've enjoyed doing it when it's one-on-one, -on -one, when I can be myself and be engaging, standing in front of a, a class and having to basically be neutral and not be, not have all the affectations and the aw shucks and that Ben likes to say and stuff like that. Um, you know, I have to kind of basically glaze over a lot of my flaws. That doesn't appeal to me very, very much. I'm, I'm much better in small doses. I know I'm not somebody that a lot of people uh, want to hear for a week at a time or anything. And Ben's shaking his head right now, mostly because he's he, You're he's got so wrong. You're so <laughs> wrong. But anyways, no, I would never, I, I, I would never professionally teach. I enjoy doing what I do. And, and I, but that does not diminish at all Ben's job or, or Joey, your job that you used to have. I, I've always appreciated all the teachers that I've had and the time that they put into making sure that I, I understood. So, but no, I've never found it appealing to me. I don't know. Rafi, what about you? Would you ever teach? Mm. I like what Joey was saying, like, or I like your approach here as well, uh, or like, when Joe was talking about compartmentalizing a class, I think I could not do that. I think I what you're saying that like you want to have it one on one, like a mentorship um, situation. This is something I'm currently in with a couple of people, sort of, not formally. I'm not getting paid by any of those, um, but I do like this. I do this with other like companies who are in a startup process or something like that. And I talk to them, I meet them, I check up with them every month or so and sort of like help them through their situations and try to to guide them through that. And this this I enjoy, this I like. Maybe I should start charging for it at this point. Um, and uh, the other thing I'm doing is, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, that's true. Um, but um, imposter syndrome there, you know, sometimes you're not sure if you're like <laughs> worth being paid for what you're doing. Um, and... Uh, but yeah, and the other thing I've been invited to to speak on on panels or speak for like especially in regards to privacy, this is sort of like where I'm the peacock, I think, or why I want to be the peacock. Um, so um, also the same situation. You're always like when I got asked the first time to speak um, in front of like an audience, which is very knowledgeable in that regard. Uh, it was very confusing, but this is not necessarily teaching. It's like presenting a new aspect or like developments or like what we like um why it matters especially in regards to privacy and stuff like that so it's it's not necessarily the same thing as having a class which you want to teach so i think there i can more easily disregard people who i see who are not interested in, in playing minesweeper in the back but when it comes to me wanting to transfer knowledge i could not stand this i could not like 
this person needs to know everything and I want them to know and I want them to succeed. And so this is why I like the one-on-one -on -one thing, like you're saying, Matt, I yeah. think. Or, okay. you, you, said, you said on the Perscolis episode that you're not a teacher and you're not good at teaching. I doubt that. I, I, I honestly, to me, yeah. Yeah, I, I think both Matt and Rofty, I mean, not only uh, do you have the skill set, you have the communication, you have the 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 poise the presence uh and and you have the i think the genuine desire to pass knowledge on and that makes a good instructor when you don't want you want to see the student become better than you and i think that's when you know you've got a really good uh platform one of the questions i've got ben um the the hardest thing that i faced when in all my training years are the days when you get up and you've either received bad news or you're not feeling well, you don't want to go back in front of that class. Every class that I taught was always instructor-led. It was always in a brick-and-mortar facility. And it's like, do I have to put this mask on again? And do I have to, you know, that was, that happened. It, it did happen. And you've got to face it as, you, you have to see that as well. How, do, how did you handle it? How do you handle it? I can tell you how I used to, but I'm curious on the days where you're just like, look, I'm going to call in sick today. Like I can call Matt now. Like Matt, I, I just can't today. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take, you know, either afternoon or whatever, not when you're teaching, not when you've got a full day of students relying on you. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I'll be honest with you. That hasn't happened to me for a long time. Um, I think when I became mainly uh, an instructor to um, professionals, adults, as opposed to college or when I was teaching grade school, junior high, high school, that happened a lot more. Um, and that's, I, I think that has to do with the nature of the gig. Usually when I'm teaching a class today, the worst it'll be is a 40 hour, five day class, Monday through Friday, and then I'm done, right? When you're teaching sixth grade, it's 200 days in a row and you know the time you get off is the the federal holidays when they finally roll around um so yeah. that's much more of a grind uh and you got to wake up early and you got to go to a school um which always smells like spoiled milk i mean it's just you know there's you know that it's a different environment today um so i don't have it as much now now when i was traveling for isc squared and there were times where i'd be I'd be going three weeks out of a month, and sometimes I'd be on three different continents. That was a grind just the, for the physical, um, uh, just being tired, just being exhausted. Sure. But I, I never felt that in we that I did when I was like a college or high school instructor where it was just emotionally crushing. Um, how did I cope? You, you, you went and did it. I mean, it, exactly. It, it, yeah, I don't, and I, I wish there was another answer I could give you. I wish there was something better to say, but no, there, there's just nothing yeah. else. And that, that's what I had to do. My, my classes would start at eight and they would end at 4 30, right? They were day classes. And then you'd get an hour for lunch and a couple of breaks in between. And I can remember probably on, on two hands over the course of my career of doing that, the days when I thought, I cannot teach this another time. It's like, I, I got to wonder, like, does Dave Matthews has to play Jimmy thing for the one billionth time? Does he have <laughs> to go out on stage 
you know, he probably is sick of it, but guess what? The, the crowd wants to hear it. So, but to your point, yeah, you, you suck it up and you do it and you get it done. But I just wanted to ask because every teacher, whether it's, you know, school professional um, has those, has those days. You know, and, and I think the students have them too. And, and one of the reasons I programmed want to be the way that I have where I do two hour blocks or two and a half or maybe three, and I spread it out over a longer period of time is explicitly to avoid that kind of thing. Where, you know, if you're doing a five day class, eight hours a day, by Thursday afternoon, nobody's fucking listening to you anymore. They can't, <laughs> yeah. they can't, it's too much. Um, and, you know, everybody's a, an adult, they got a real life, they got kids at home and somebody has to leave to go take care of, you know, the dog got sick or whatever, you know, all of those things all happen and it distorts the learning environment. So I've made it, I've condensed it and I've spread it out and that has, that has liberated my delivery so much and it doesn't impose on anyone. I'm always fresh and eager and ready to go at the beginning of class, you know? Do, do, do both of you all, do you feel like you have a better grasp of human psychology now having had all the students come through? Like, can you immediately figure out, okay, this student is a, is a Greg or this student is, is a quiet one? Or, you know, do you have any new insights into, in, into human psychology based upon how the students are that you do? Only with? in the classroom, only in that context. I mean, yeah. if, you know, if you sent me out to go to do something else anywhere else, I would not have any better command of knowledge of people than anybody else. Yeah, I would say, Matt, <clears throat> yes, it did help me. I, I, I learned quickly how to read body language. I learned quickly how to, to you know, um, uh, tones of voices, or I was able quickly within the first half of that day or first morning, I was able to place those students where I needed to place them mentally of what type of student they were. And 95% of the time, they were fantastic. But you're able to see this person's head is not in it today. Something is happening in their life. They are not here. They're disengaged. I can tell just by whatever that is. Or this person is, you know, doesn't want to be here or, you know, this person does. So, yeah, I guess to answer your question, Matt, yeah, I learned a ton from nonverbals and subliminal cues from students. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's served me well over the years now that I've got kids and can, <laughs> can read their body language. Right. <laughs> and my <right>. wife's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we've talked about a lot of the bad stuff about teaching have, have either of you do you have any memorable spark that you remember that was just like oh the student gets it and you were fulfilled or you really made a difference in someone's life or anything like that then you want to go first um there's a couple of really really big ones emotional ones and then there's the normal steady state which makes me just love continuing to teach almost every other day if not every day, depending on the time of the year, I'll get emails or LinkedIn messages from somebody. Hey, just finished your course. Just passed the exam. Thank you. Boom. That, that there's no better feeling throughout the day. And, and that just, you know, that's awesome. Um, but you're talking about light bulb moments, which is, you know, teacher speak for that moment where they finally get something that you were trying to convey that they were trying to wrestle. Those are powerful when you're in person. And the, the one that blew me away was in um, 
I was teaching a sixth grade in a behavior school. This is a school in a public school district where they had been kicked out of their regular school for doing something bad, and they were sent to our school for remedial training. And I was teaching basic computer stuff. And and Joey, it's funny, you know, I was doing some of the basic Microsoft stuff, uh, uh, Word and Excel and PowerPoint and access of all things. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why. And um, and there was a kid. And I want to tell this story, too, because this this kind of gave the preface for why that light bulb moment sticks with me after these years. This kid was very, very small, even for a sixth grader. I mean, very slight of stature, very short um, and quiet and super pleasant and always spoke to me with the utmost deference. Pretty much the opposite of all the other kids in the behavioral school. Right. And. Um, uh, they were supposed to be with us for nine weeks. And by the third week, I just, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And um, he was the last to leave from my class one day. And I, and I pulled him aside and I said, I got to ask you, and you don't have to tell me if you don't want, I'm not going to pull your file. I don't, it's not that sort of thing, but why are you here? You are just, you're a good student and a good kid. What are you doing here? And he looked down at the floor and he paused and did not speak for a solid 20 seconds, which again, for sixth graders, you're both parents, you know, that's not a thing. And he finally said, um, Mr. M, I, I stabbed a kid. And that, that blew me out of the water. And I, and I said, I, I said, you did not stab a kid. What, what, there's no way you stabbed a kid. That is not a, I, you can't do that. That's not you. And he goes, can I tell you the story? I said, by all means, please, because I'm just at a loss here. He said, there was a kid who was picking on me. He was twice my size and he wouldn't stop and he wouldn't stop and he wouldn't stop. And I told my parents and they told me to tell my teacher and I told my teacher and I told my teacher and I told my teacher and teacher wouldn't do anything. And I told the principal and I told the counselor and I wouldn't stop and, and, and he wouldn't stop. And one day we were doing a thing with, with, uh, construction paper in class and he was just picking on me and just picking on me and and I would tell the teacher and she would be, have her back turned when I would tell her and finally I just turned with the scissors and I stuck him in his side that's the thing the teachers responded to that's the thing the school district responded to <laughs> yeah not and not the bullying and not not the, not the bullying yeah because yeah. it was all covert and I felt mm -hmm. so bad for this kid and it just it broke my heart so a week later as we were finishing up the word, the Microsoft word module, and I'm walking around the room and I'm looking over their shoulders at each of their computers. And they're all doing what the, I would give them a worksheet and they do the instructions on the worksheet. This kid had finished the worksheet and he had gone on and built his own flyer for a fake business with, and he'd gone into word art and changed fonts and put borders around. And I'm like, how did you learn how did where did you did you have another do you have a computer at home what did you do he goes no i just started playing with stuff and i finished the he goes is it okay because i finished the other thing i was like by all means yeah do whatever you want play with whatever you want and that was one of those moments where i, I obviously it stuck with me and that was i don't know 15 years ago and mm -hmm. uh it was it it was one of those moments that makes you want to be a teacher forever yeah wow that's great I, I'll uh, I'll just finish with one with one quick story, Matt. To your to your question, 
And yes, there was one individual who went through the entire Microsoft series uh, that, that, that our company offered. And so you get to know the students really well when they take that many classes. And I want to tell you, that was probably 30, 30 plus classes that they ended up taking that I taught this, this one individual. And um, I got a letter in the mail from my, or my boss brought a letter. He's like, here, you need to read this. And about a year later, this person got a new job and got Microsoft Office certified, the mouse, remember the mouse certification, Microsoft <laughs> Office user specialist. You you take all these exams and you're certified in, in Microsoft Office. They went and got their mouse certification. They went and got a, a better job, better pay. And they, they took the time to write the letter to my, my, my uh, boss that I had a part in that. So that has always stuck with me that, that, Hey, that that's why we do it right. To, to better somebody, to, to, to pass that along so that they can then help somebody else. So that was all, you know, that always makes me feel, feel good. Okay, great. Those are heartwarming. Yeah. <laughs> Not the stabbing part, but the fact that you actually got through. <laughs> no, no. I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be a killjoy, so to speak, but all right. All right. No. And I'm sorry. We've taken up a whole bunch of time. Anybody else want to add something real quick? I know, I know some of us uh, have got something to do. Um, anything I want else? to say one last thing, Rafti, you said you're a mentor to a couple of individuals. And I think where you don't have to be a quote unquote trainer or instructor or have that label. I think being a mentor in and, in and of itself is just as important and, and hats off to you for doing that because we need more people like you out there mentoring our, our next generation. More Austrians? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I agree. And to anybody listening, um, maybe then just, yeah, look around. I agree, Joey. I think it's a great call to everybody out there. Um, and often it's just like helping another, like, do the same things that you learned and maybe how you learned them is already helped for them uh, to realize yeah. it because like how how do you get your like wheels turning how do you get to learn and understand this stuff and yeah and i'm usually and this is part of the reason why i like this sort of stuff as well i'm not somebody who's like learning from a book and um just like committing it to memory I'm somebody who tries to understand how it works and then um, I can explain it much better to to others as well. And I try to tell them how I understood it and so that they can repeat it as well. I, I'd like yeah. to be the person who shows somebody how to sort of like um, catch fish and not just how to, yeah. <laughs> eat how to, the, how to fish and not just catch a fish for yeah. them. Matt, Matt exactly. won't ever admit it, but Matt is all, has, has, is a huge mentor as well. He'll, he, but he'll never say it. He's too humble. Um, uh, uh, but, but he absolutely is. I'll just leave that hanging in the air like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Um, well, thank you, Joey. This was a great topic it, and it didn't turn out to be as ugly as I thought it was going to be where we just said, <laughs> Oh, students suck. Um, <laughs> Uh, thank you all for bringing um, all your perspectives and insight to it. Um, until next time, I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. I'm Rafael Fiedler. And I'm Joey Police. Catch you again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. 
If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications. Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com, and that's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel wannabeacissp. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to Ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com, and listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience. If you enjoy this podcast, take a listen to The Topic of Choice with host Joey Police, his sidekick Matt, that's me, and lots of interesting guests. Now in its third season, Joey leads open conversations, reviews, and interviews about all kinds of interesting and exciting topics, often with a pop culture take. It's a fun show released weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.